0: Every work team has moments of conflict and dysfunction. Sometimes productive conflict is a necessary part of wrestling through big ideas to get to the best possible outcome, but sometimes our teams become mired in conflict that is entirely avoidable because it's based in vastly different communication styles or different motivations and misunderstandings. Enter the Enneagram. The Enneagram offers not only self-awareness, but also curiosity and deeper understanding of others. I teach the Enneagram and consult with teams to improve their communication styles, conflict effectiveness and self-leadership, all of which foster highly engaged and high-performing teams. During a recent team event, I heard over and over, this just makes so much sense when they looked around the room and saw who was fitting within each type. And now I know why this person asked so many questions. or. This depersonalizes some of the conflict we've been having because I can tell we're just coming from different perspectives. So now that we know where we are, we can see how we can get aligned. So if you're looking for ongoing support or simply considering an engaging introspective module for your team's offsite or event, let's talk. Reach out to the Nine types team at hello at ninetypes.co or schedule a one on one consultation with me on my website, ninetypes.co. And now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome back to Enneagram in Real Life, a podcast that will help you go beyond Enneagram theory into practical understanding so that you can apply the Enneagram in your day-to-day life. I'm your host, Steph Baron hall creator of Nine Types Co. on Instagram, author of the Enneagram in Love, accredited Enneagram professional, and any curious human just like you. Be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to apply the Enneagram in your daily life. Thanks so much for listening, and now on to the show. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Enneagram IRL. Today, we are talking about a topic that I hear questions about all the time, which is breakups. And let's just be honest, breakups suck. Nobody likes a breakup. They are painful and difficult, and they are also a big part of life for the most part. Um, And today's guest, we discussed that. We talked about how we see all this advice and information about getting into a relationship and starting a relationship and building a healthy relationship. And how do you know if they like you, all that sort of stuff. Um, Even as kids, like I remember when I was a kid seeing, you know, 17 magazine and it was all about like, how do you get into a relationship? Um, and then now, you know, as an adult, I recognize uh, as Gina shares today how much of life is not about getting into a happy relationship, but one, about sustaining a healthy relationship, but two, also there, there are a lot of parts of life that are about navigating the exit of relationships, whether that is by choice or not. Um, there are a lot of relationships in our lives that end. So that is kind of what we're going to be talking about today. I am joined by Gina Gomez, and I will introduce you to her in a moment. But Gina and I have known each other for a few years now because we've both been writing about the Enneagram on Instagram for a little while. And what I love so much about Gina's work is she brings this real thoughtful but compassionate perspective to the Enneagram and to her work as a breakup coach. And There's just really the sense of honesty and desire to highlight the importance of of really processing and sitting with emotions. This episode is, it feels just really peaceful and gentle, which is just kind of how Gina approaches things. And there's so much truth and compassion and kindness in the way that she talks about not only the different Enneagram types, but also in approaching breakups and approaching, um, you know, whether it's a divorce or, you know, the end of a dating relationship and just healing and working with people through that. So if you are in that season at all, I definitely recommend connecting with Gina. I'll share a little bit more about her programs and everything in the show notes, but she has a group coaching program called the Haven. Um, and she also shares a lot of different resources and things like that on Instagram, which is at Gina Gomez.co. So, Without further ado, let me introduce you really quickly to Gina, and then we're going to dive right into the episode. So Gina Gomez is a conscious breakup and relationship coach. She specializes in mentoring women going through breakups or divorce, and she helps them to feel hopeful again, to regain their sense of identity, to find new and healthy love, to feel empowered and whole, and just to let that entire time of your life lead you to a soul-driven journey of embodied self-love and emotional well-being. And she really approaches things in that sort of way that's very integrated and compassionate, like I, I mentioned already. So Gina is also the author of the book, The Enneagram and You, which I also recommend. She goes through all of the nine types and then all 45 type pairings. Um, in different contexts, which I think is super valuable. So she talks about it in relationships and then at work and at home. Um, So I highly recommend that book as well. If you are at all interested in learning a little bit more about how the Enneagram type pairings show up in those different contexts, you can find Gina on Instagram at gina_gomez_co. And I really think you're going to love this episode. So let's hear from Gina. Before we get into today's episode, I want to talk to you about subtypes. Now, subtypes have been transformational in my own Enneagram journey, and they've also been so incredibly helpful for my clients and my course students and even some of the teams that I've worked with. So with that said, I want you to head over to the show notes or go to ninetypesco slash subtypes and download my free subtype guide. You'll get a breakdown of what the whole word means, the entire concept, all 27 subtypes, and you will unlock this new understanding of yourself and the people around you. And you'll have a new way to apply the Enneagram in your daily life. So again, head to ninetypes.co slash subtypes, or check out that link in the show notes to learn more. Enjoy. Well, Gina, welcome. I'm
1: so happy you're here and so glad to have you on the podcast. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. It's been a long time since I've seen you, so it's nice to see your face too.
0: (laughs) I know it has. I feel like early days, well, early days for me, I think that you may have been on Instagram and doing like Enneagram things on Instagram for a while at that point. We like tried to do... A product together, like yeah. a course together. <laughs> and We both kept like, not doing our deadlines. And then it just petered <laughs> out. But <laughs> it was so fun.
1: Um, so great to see you. Yeah, same, same.
0: Yeah, great. Um, well, I know a little bit of your story. And I know that we're going to dive into like your Enneagram type and everything. Um, but I think that one thing that I've really loved about, you know, seeing you transform in in the way that you've approached your work online and your coaching and your business and all that stuff is that you have really pivoted in this really cool way. Like you still integrate the Enneagram, but you have a different kind of main focus now. Um, And so I think that's so cool because It's so hard to figure out like what exactly is the niche that's going to be the best fit for you long term. Mm. And it seems like you've really done that well. So I would love to hear what's your story? What are you passionate about? (laughs) How did it get you to where you are now? Just tell me, you know, that whole backstory.
1: Okay. So we have like three hours? (laughs) Yeah, 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 totally. (laughs) Um, I guess, you know, uh, I was, I was on Instagram and at the time I started posting enneagram content was when christy and i christy fountain we started our own enneagram podcast and uh it was super fun and i thought there was sort of this thought of like oh i could teach this right because i had i just had all this knowledge in my brain i was like i would love to teach this and then when it got a bit more mainstream i realized people wanted to learn And that felt really fun. So it really just started off as like I wanted to share information about the Enneagram. And I think I did that for about a year and a half or so. And then it definitely shifted to uh, uh, it was like relationships. And then it was like the relationship to yourself and then sort of evolved into um, helping and mentoring women who are going through breakups and divorces. And that's where it's at now. And it it just feels right. Yeah. What was it about that specific lane that really attracted you? I think it was definitely ins- just inspired from my own journey of going through a breakup when I had. And I found myself on the other side of it. And it was the first time that I had done a breakup differently than i had in the past uh, in the past my breakups have been just extremely tumultuous and uh devastating and it's it's always taken me it had always taken me so long to recover um and this last big major breakup it was different and uh, i think the the biggest thing was that there was support there and i thought it in i think there's like so much information out there and and for a good reason um on how to enter into a relationship like dating and where and how and like all of that but mm-hmm. exiting one there isn't a lot of information yeah
0: well and, and most of us at some point in our lives exit a relationship mm-hmm. <laughs> so How do you think about that process of like walking people through that? Like, what do you think is missing from the way that we typically go about that?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think, I think that a lot of us don't know how to let go. Mm -hmm. And so it gets really, it gets really messy and it gets really ugly and toxic sometimes, unfortunately. And, uh, I think that there was I think I know that there is a way to end things graciously and and with more compassion than there is um, how we normally see it. Like even in the media, you know, there's there's always um, someone breaking up and then it's Mm -hmm. whose fault is it? It's always like, who do we be mad at and who do we blame? (laughs) Um, So I think there is definitely that piece missing. Like, can we do this in a more compassionate way? Yeah. So it's, well, that kind of like makes me think right now about like
0: all of the drama about Olivia Wilde and mm-hmm. Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. Like, do you have hot takes on <laughs> any of these things where it's like this first thing? Because here's the thing like, I know that you are like so kind and gentle and compassionate. And I also know that you have a little bit of that spicy side <laughs> that it's like a little bit, you know, and I love hearing or, or seeing you on um, Instagram talking about, um, like some of the current events and yeah. stuff, sometimes I, I just think that your takes are really interesting. Mm. And I'm curious if you see anything and you're like, oh, this could
1: be done so differently. Yeah. Another really good question. I think um I well, one, I really do try not to not to consume too much media. Um and not because I think I'm above it. It's just like I, I honestly my brain just cannot <laughs> after a while. But um I think when things happen like that, oh, like with Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck getting back together, yeah. you know, I was telling my clients, I was telling Instagram, I'm like, do not let this influence you <laughs> because it's like an outlier situation, you know, like that's not yeah. the norm. And um, yeah, but it, it is it's it's fun to kind of um, integrate some of that into into my work.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's so fun. I actually do remember you saying that of saying like just because they're back together doesn't mean you need to be right. It. Yeah. Um, so what about the Enneagram? Tell us about your type and how it shows up in the work that you do.
1: So I identify as a self pres too. And how does it show up in the work that I do? Like my type or like the Enneagram in general?
0: Um well, I'd love to hear about both, I guess, uh-huh. but starting with your type. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think it definitely speaks a lot to how I want to be of service and also in the realm of relationships for type twos relationships is such a, a big part of their lives and I don't know just bringing some some support peace comfort like uh, that all sounds great to me and I'm not the kind of to like I don't bake for anybody I don't offer to help like in a practical um what is it called what's that love language acts of service way yeah. you know
0: mm-hmm. but if
1: you need someone to talk to then i'm then i'm there
0: <laughs> yeah uh,
1: so i think it definitely shows up that way and uh the anti in general i think in in my practice it's it's it gives people language to their experiences. And so often we don't have that. And so we feel alone or we feel lost. And uh, I think that's where it shows up the most. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If somebody is coming to you and they don't know about the Enneagram, but they are going through, you know, one of these, you know, a a divorce or a breakup, um, do you walk them through their type or do you help Mm -hmm. them find that? Is that an integral part of that type of work?
1: Yeah, it is. So, whether I'm working, if I'm working with someone one on one or in a group setting, um, we're first doing, uh, we're first like addressing what's going on immediately, which is usually a lot of grief and withdrawals, maybe. Um, so, when we're working together, I don't jump into the Enneagram right away. <laughs> um, but if they already know their type, then it definitely helps to navigate a little bit of that with. And I would say that most of the time, once some of the grief has sort of lessened and they're able to see a little bit more clearly, uh, then we get into all the self-discovery and let's let's mm-hmm. figure let's figure this stuff out. And, yeah,
0: yeah, well, yeah, and I've seen you talk a lot about grief, mm-hmm. um, and it's interesting because I think. When I first saw you talking about that, it was not a perspective that I think I'd ever thought about before mm-hmm. in that specific context. I think we're used to thinking about grief more so in, you know, if your spouse dies, mm-hmm. but not in the same way as like if, you know, your marriage ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it makes a lot of sense. And I think... um, in general, I think we're very bad at grief. Um, mm. So I'm curious if that's been your experience too, if, if you know, you think we're bad at grief and if so, why? But also, why do you think grieving is the most important part of that process? Like why does that need so much attention?
1: Yeah, I I do think that we're, it's a, a skill or like the coping mechanisms are not usually there um, for for grief and again I think it's language like when someone realizes like oh I am grieving like I just lost the person that I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with Um, that I this imagined future that I had with them and so much so much of our identities also die in that relationship you know you're never going to be that person with that person ever again and so um we don't know what to do with it like again we were never taught like you know and it it can feel like a death uh it doesn't always but a lot of people identify with with yeah it feels like someone's died um or part of me has died and um yeah i think it it's definitely important because we can't just get to the glow up part you know everyone's like so fixated (laughs) on the glow up like Uh, whether that's physical or, you know, mental, internal, uh, financial, I mean, everyone sort of has their lane that they want to, like, I want to be a better person after this. Well, that's, that's great. And that's definitely, um, it's definitely important if if it's important to you, but if we bypass that grief, it's going to come out anyway, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's such a great point. I think we so often miss that. And I think You know, when we think about the Enneagram, you're a two, so, you know, very much a heart type, very much the type of heart type that tends to focus more so on the positive side Mm -hmm. of emotion and less so on the the negative. Um, With me being a three, I'm definitely the heart type that's like, oh, I'm just going to repress that and outrun it, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, but but there's still that sensitivity and awareness Mm -hmm. of like all the information and all of the processing that we're missing when we skip over the emotional side of things. And I'm really curious if you've just noticed that, like, are there some people who are more naturally drawn to that or gravitate toward it? Or do you find like certain types of people come into working with you and they're like, I'm fine actually. And then you kind of dig a little bit deeper and, and they're not fine. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You're not fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, most of the people who come know they're not fine. So, yeah. and it's interesting even from a marketing perspective, because it's like, they know what the problem is. It's like, I'm in pain, I'm hurting. Um, but I think that uh there's different for sure and i've seen this like through the lens of the enneagram like i've seen certain types will cope with it in very specific ways and also like you said like out like i'm gonna try to beat this you know or or um i hear a lot of sixes say things like um or sixes and sevens actually it's like i just want to be done with this part like this part that's like not you know the like grief and like Naming my emotions like, no, like what's next? <laughs> um, so I've definitely seen an overlap, which has been really cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, wait, I'm so curious. Do you have any more little tidbits about the types and how they approach it?
1: Yes, so I have quite a few I have quite a few type threes and and type ones, so these two are kind of put together because they're like the best, let's say students yeah that's a great (laughs) like they're great students and like when it comes to assignments or um trying things they're like gung-ho they're like i'm gonna do this and which is which is great um because they see a lot of the information once they see it they're like oh i want to keep going um threes also like to have like show me the bird's eye view of where i'm going and. I've noticed that comes up a lot like I I want to know like what the next is this going to be worth it yes and yeah. I need a measurable I need something that's going to be measurable so actually from mm-hmm. from doing um working with type 3s I created sort of like a before assessment and an after assessment for themselves so they can kind of yeah <laughs> um so that I I've seen that and I've seen that eights. I have I've only had maybe a handful of eight uh, type eight clients and there's a lot of pushback, a lot of pushback, mm-hmm. and it takes a lot longer for me to earn their trust and for us to kind of go okay, um, but once they do, then it's like they're in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why do you think they have such a hard time with that? I think that it might be a natural. Well, first. They're in a very vulnerable sp- space, like emotionally and mentally. And I think that uh, they may know me from Instagram. They may have just kind of come across my work um, that week, or maybe they've been following for a while. But I still think that they need to be able to trust before they're going to listen to anything I say.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I I can also imagine, you know, like in the... Um one of the certifications I've been going through, um, we talk a lot about how to approach mm. each type mm. um, in terms of coaching. And also, of course, like how our type gets in the way in our yep. coaching, you know. Um, But one of the things with eights that we talk about a lot is there are other types where you want to start out really gentle and start slow. Mm-hmm. But with eights, it's like you start by like just go, getting straight to it, being really strong, having a really firm presence. And then once they start getting vulnerable, backing off later. And I can imagine if that if that dynamic feels like a stretch for the coach, yeah. then it can be hard for the eight client to really come in and get to work right away.
1: Yeah, I love that you brought that up. That's definitely helpful because I have I have noticed like from the very beginning when I started coaching – if I knew their type, there was, there's this adjustment that I will do automatically. And, you know, I'm going to talk to a three client s- so differently than I would a four, for example. Yeah. And um, it's helpful. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'm also curious about like
0: nines. Do you have a lot of nine clients? Because I could imagine delving into some of it could be painful, but mm-hmm. oh my gosh, when I have worked with, with nines who, you know, e- like exit a relationship, mm-hmm. obviously it's painful, but it's so much like you are you mm-hmm. now, like you are yourself, and there's so much beauty in that. Yeah.
1: Yes. Working with nines, I, um, again, they're, they're really great students. Like they, they want to learn, they, they want to focus on, uh, sort of like understanding themselves but i i also do see the there's like this resistance and it just takes a it's just takes a little bit more time like a little bit more time for them to maybe lean into some of those sides that they don't that they've been avoiding maybe that they they're just sort of waking up to because that's what grief can also do your heart's Mm -hmm. like wide open and um yeah but yeah. yeah,
0: and then I'm I'm really curious too about like what does the after picture look like for your clients? Like, what is the the transformation? They come in, they are devastated because mm-hmm. they've recently gone through this really painful breakup. They're grieving, and then what it like when they're done working with you, or maybe they move on to a different formation of working with you? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, it's definitely different for every single client. Like I haven't seen uh and even like tight like it it there's mm-hmm. there hasn't been any pattern that I've seen. some of my clients will already be dating by month two, uh even if the breakup was um well not not to bring significance into it, but like for example, I have a client who was married, married, they have a kid, um but now she's dating and she's happy, and she you know. And then I have other clients where dating really isn't the goal. It's like not to be in another relationship again. They're more in it to understand themselves, um to find patterns in their relationships. And for them that's the transformation. Like, "Oh, wow, I never knew this about myself." And um and then for other clients, it's just understanding what it is they want. That's usually a big one.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Want and need. Yeah. Well,
0: I feel like we so often – because you mostly work with women, right, you mm-hmm.
1: said? I have not men, but yeah, mostly women.
0: Yeah. I feel like we are so, in a lot of ways, like socialized to kind of merge
1: mm-hmm. a bit
0: and to be so supportive and getting back in touch with what you want. I could imagine, especially for like twos, threes, nines, mm-hmm. that's really, really tough. Yeah. How has it been for you as a coach year are two? <laughs> you know, self-preservation too though. So you, you know, you have that more of that desire to like make sure that you're meeting your own Mm -hmm. needs, but, um, how has that been? Like, how do you make sure that you are feeling fulfilled and refreshed as you work with other people?
1: Yeah. Uh, I definitely had to start to kind of look at where I was feeling depleted uh, or where I was finding tension in the work that I do. Um, some of the conversations with clients can be pretty heavy. There's a lot of space holding. And so what I did was I adjusted my schedule first and I said, okay, I'll do, I usually do uh client sessions only on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. And that gives me like four other days of the week (laughs) where I'm not intaking, um, and I'm not sitting and holding space. So that definitely helps and then also looking at how much time I leave between sessions. I have to give myself about a half an hour um to like get up, um maybe go out for a walk, play with Sammy, my dog, something that's going to like pull me back to earth. <laughs> yeah. And um and that helps. Plus I have like I'm looking here at my desk like I have facial sprays, like essential oils, like bringing in other senses um, really helps. And um, and then I, I honestly try my best, not always, but I try my best to like give myself a hard stop with work. Wow.
0: Yeah. That feels difficult sometimes. Yes. <laughs> As I'm cringing.
1: Yes. It's hard.
0: Yeah. Why do you think it's so hard to do that?
1: I think if you're an entrepreneur or a business owner, it's just it, even when I'm not working, my brain, my subconscious is like, it's still going. So, and that's okay. Yeah. I, you know, but I, at, at least for the most part, I try to shut off that part where I'm like planning or, you know.
0: Yeah. But then you go and watch TV and you're like, well, what Enneagram type are they? Or, <laughs> Oh, ooh, they need to like work on this breakup. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. yes.
0: Yeah. It, it It's tough. And I think, it's it's such a strange thing too, I will also say, because as much as you might want to work really specific hours, the nature of Instagram is that for most people social media is personal. Mm-hmm. So I've even gotten messages like, Oh, well, why didn't you respond to me you know mm. sooner? And it's like, Well, you DM'd me on Friday night and it's now Monday morning and I'm back at work. Like I think that there's <laughs> a level of forgetting that. I'm not always, you know, super religious about that, but um, Yeah, it can be challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm curious if for you, the type of work that you do, like, can be challenging too. like for you to have other types of relationships, um, whether that's dating Mm -hmm. or even just other relationships with people in your life where it's like, I think and talk about breaking up and grieving all the time. (laughs) Like, how do I have this relationship in a more positive way? Yeah.
1: (laughs) definitely i so i think uh one of the things that comes up is i don't watch a lot of or or listen to or read anything heavy like unless i'm Mm -hmm. reading something about my craft but like for the most part i love to relax and just like i want the lighthearted. i all watch schitt's creek as a like comfort like um, because yeah, I don't want to be in that space. All day long. <laughs> um, and in conversations with friends, like I've also, I've also noticed this where it's like, if they're going through something hard as a two, again, I want to be there. Cause that's like part of my love language is being there to, to hear them. But, um, it goes both ways. I've also learned for myself that, um, it's okay to have a boundary with, um, well it's okay to have boundaries period but it's for me I had to learn it's okay that you don't have to talk about this with everyone and when when I'm going through something hard like I sometimes I used to feel like I'd have to tell everybody you know um but yeah it definitely infiltrates (laughs) yeah
0: it's hard (laughs) well yeah and I think too um like with the boundaries thing I think I was very much kind of brought up in certain ways um not necessarily like with my family, but more so like the the types of churches and things mm-hmm. that like that, that I, I was in. I was very much, it was like um, being excruciatingly vulnerable mm-hmm. was like a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that meant you were more spiritually or emotionally mature. Yeah. And like now, a few years later, I'm like, oh, actual, actual like emotional maturity mm-hmm. is not just spilling your guts mm-hmm. to everyone and mm-hmm. actually like having boundaries around what you talk exactly. about. That's really hard. Yeah,
1: exactly. And it still feels like, you know, when I tell someone, if I'm talking to someone, I'm like, I really don't want to talk about that right now. And yeah. or, or I'm not ready or, you know, and I there's a little like twinge of like guilt or like, is that wrong? Should I be talking about this or? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah.
0: But also knowing like as an entrepreneur, especially. It's all up to mm-hmm. you. And like all of the motivation comes internally. So <laughs> you are responsible for your own energy and like the way that you can show up. And if you get derailed, well, maybe for me, if I get derailed early in the morning, I am I have a really hard time coming back. 100%. Like Sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to put myself back to bed and then I'm going to get up again and we're going to try again.
1: <laughs> I never thought about that, but maybe I'll, maybe I'm going to try that because I'm the same way. If I, something gets derailed in the morning, I'm like, and maybe even in the good way, like if a friend calls me yeah. spontaneously and I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll talk to her. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, what am I doing for the rest of my life? Like I, it just gets spun around. Yeah. It's 11 o'clock.
0: I haven't done anything yeah. yet. Um, also I learned that trick from my sister cause she uses it with her kid. So <laughs> <laughs> like, it's fine. We all have like that inner two year old. That's so funny. So as you teach about, this concept, though, of like cultivating really conscious relationships, um, you know, we've already been talking about like the importance of boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, but for you as a two, what do you think is the most important thing for people who struggle to to set healthy boundaries? Like, why do you think that's important? And how can we be healthier about that?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. Boundaries is such a big. Uh, it's like. I don't think it's where everything kind of starts, but it kind of feels that way. Like it kind of feels like when you're starting to do self-development work, self-awareness, it's like boundaries is like, bam, it's like usually the first thing that kind of comes up and like I can kind of see how that happens. Um, I think the most was, you know, one of the most important things that I've seen, not just with um, clients or, you know, myself, but just in general, there's this like, how can I take care of myself? How can I have my own back? Just how can I have my own back? Mm, I like that. Yeah. And we don't know sometimes. And I think that's sort of the starting point. It's like before we even set boundaries or maintain them or create them, how do we know where we even need them? And I think it goes to like, well, what, what are your needs? What are your wants? And like, this could be in the context of a relationship or Um, just in the next hour of your life or the restaurant you're going to. Like it's, you know, there's a micro and then there's like like the big macro. (laughs) Um, And I think it does help to start small, especially if you're just sort of like getting into, yes, I know I definitely need some boundary work. You know, Um, we can't go straight to that big boundary. It's like, it's going to be too difficult. Your nervous system is going to be dysregulated. You won't be able to hold it. Um, so definitely I think like starting small and just being kind. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Starting
0: small, like knowing what you want, what you need, Mm -hmm. that is really difficult, especially like when we've been so used to muting ourselves just to make sure that other people are getting their needs met Mm -hmm. and then realizing like, oh, actually, okay, there's something else here. Like I haven't been listening to Mm -hmm. that inner voice. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, So another thing I just really wanted to Mm -hmm. ask you about. So you've had all of these different careers, which I think is really interesting. (laughs) So you are a photographer, traveled the world, (laughs) shooting photos, which I actually feel like really comes out in the way that you approach like aesthetics on your Instagram. (laughs) Um, Like I'm like, uh, I can tell that she's, you know, got that artistic (laughs) eye, you know, Um, and Then you wrote a book. So you're also a published author and about the Enneagram, of course. Um, And I'm curious about that. Like, how has that been for you to be like, I am an Enneagram author. And also now I'm doing this other really specific work where I still use the Enneagram, Mm -hmm. but maybe not in the same way that you did when you wrote the book. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you still pull from it? How does it support you?
1: Yeah, so fun fact, Steph was the first one who reached out to me was like, did you write a book? (laughs) Like, you knew it was online before I did. (laughs) Yeah, I saw it. I think I saw it like a,
0: it popped up somewhere. It popped up like as an ad or something. Yeah, I
1: thought that was so cool. I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, So going back to your question, sorry, I derailed us. Um, I think that... (laughs) I just sort of had to accept, and I, I accepted this a long time ago, like, I am not uh, like a traditionalist in a sense of like, I have a job, and I'm going to do this job forever. Like, I've had so many jobs and so many career paths. And uh, and my mom is actually uh, the same way. She's definitely the same way. She's done so much different work and different scopes and it's really cool, and I used to think because we we're conditioned to that, if you change jobs or you change careers, that you're flighty or you don't know what you want or you can't decide or you're not responsible. And I, I never really saw that. I never saw it in that light. Uh, but I think it definitely I held shame because of that, thinking, oh, I'm changing again. I'm changing again, and now I'm like I'm changing again. You know, like <laughs> I have a new, yeah. a new way or. And I just feel like I'm like a learner, um, not a learner, but what do they call it? Like, I'm going to keep learning, a student of life. Like, it's going to always change yeah. and evolve. And uh, when I wrote the Enneagram book, um, The Enneagram and You, I, in all honesty, I I never sought out to write a book. So it was like a, like a gift. It felt like a gift that came and, and um, I took the call and I was like, okay, great, I'm going to do this. And then after I did it, it it was very rewarding and it's still very rewarding, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like that's what I was meant to do was write that book. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, the work that I'm doing now, that's what feels the most aligned and um, it might change like I already feel it evolving. So Mm -hmm. we'll see what it turns into. (laughs)
0: Well, yeah, but I, I love that openness to that because actually you and Christy, who is like your BFF, yeah. um, Christy Fountain. So um, both of you have that ability to just take something and change your path. Mm. And like, it's really inspired mm. and feels very aligned and it's like coming from within. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to go on this new thing. And I think for someone like me, I'm like, oh my god, are people going to think that I'm flighty mm. or flaky or, you know, of course, like feeling petrified mm. to to change a little bit.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, especially in the past, I feel like now I'm a little bit more like, oh, screw it, you know. <laughs> 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 but, but I think, like, I feel inspired by that, and I think that's so cool because you are really creating the business that you want to live in. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what's so important. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it, there's still sometimes that little voice that comes up and it's like, oh, what, what if I do this? Or what if I say this? And what will people think? Or, um, but, um, I'll take a quote from Schitt's Creek from Alexis. And she tells David, like, nobody cares. Like, literally, nobody cares. Nobody's thinking about you as much as you think they're thinking about you. <laughs> Nobody's going to remember. Yeah. Um, and I see this a lot with, uh, in the content that I write or that I put out, like I'll take something I did from like two years ago, a year ago, and everyone thinks it's brand new or,
0: yeah, yeah. there's (laughs) no, (laughs)
1: um, so when I, when I kind of humble myself down in a, in a gentle way, like in this, like nobody cares, it actually gives me more freedom to go, oh yeah, nobody cares. That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I love that show obviously in that scene. Um I just think it's so good. I also sometimes I think like, oh my gosh, this show came out in like what 2016 originally or something. I cannot believe it. It still feels like so new. So to new, me. so
1: relevant. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um seen every episode a million times. But I I love that perspective. Also I totally think Alexis is a seven. Yes. Do you think so? 100%. Okay. So yeah. So then I, I love that perspective too, because mm. what we can also learn from her is like her just thinking that it's possible is what makes With it brown. possible. Like that's the reason why she's able to skate through life yeah. in really nice <laughs> or walk through life in really nice shoes, as she says. Yeah. Um and so I think that's so cool. And and I'm looking forward to seeing like the new iteration or or how things um, you know, continue to evolve mm, yeah. for you because um gosh, there's just so much that's possible. Mm-hmm. And like in doing your own business, you get to decide yeah. what that is.
1: Yeah. Which is freeing and terrifying all at the same time. Oh, it's thrilling. That's yes. a good word for it. It's thrilling. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm curious if you see, this is just like a random thought that I
0: had, but um if you see your self-preservation instinct showing up in the way that you do things, because there's that voice that's like hey uh we have to
1: buy our groceries don't forget Tina. <laughs> i never forget to buy groceries um, <laughs> as a self prez there's never um that's a really that's a really interesting question i i remember when i was writing the book i thought i was like am i a five like cuz i was really pulling from that like hunkering down. It's all about me. I I had to shut out the world for, you know, most of the day and it felt really uncomfortable. Um, But at the same time, I'm like, oh, I'm actually getting shit done. (laughs) Not worrying about anybody but me and like what I have to do. So um, as a self-prez, there's this like, I want to make sure that I have all my comforts. So for example, I get my groceries delivered and Mm -hmm. i do that because i don't like going to the grocery store and takes a lot of time it takes a lot of energy and um so if i have to like i budget my not budget but like i want to make sure that my business is going to take care of me i think that's the self-prez thing it's like no this is for me Mm -hmm. ultimately you know um and i'm so glad i get to do it in a way that I'm servicing others. So it's still touching on that two point, but ultimately, um, you know, I want Sammy to have a good life. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> you want to totally spoil
1: Sammy. He's yeah. so cute.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's such a great perspective for people to have too on the Self-Prez to because in the past, we have had a social two on the podcast, which is another cool dimension mm-hmm. of type two. But I think with the self pres, there's really that um, highlighting of it is about mm-hmm. me and like making sure that I am serving my needs. Yeah. Um, and I see that even in the way that <coughs> this type of work that you're doing, where it's really helping people to figure out how do I take care of myself? Mm-hmm in this process and kind of equipping people to do that. I think that's really
1: cool. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely have seen like, like, Oh, interesting. Like, yeah, that's definitely what I'm, what I'm helping them with. Um, are you a self press three? I am pretty sure that I'm actually
0: sexual and self press is like right there. Okay. It's pretty tight. Yeah. Um, for a while I thought I was self president and then for a second I thought I was social just because I was like the image thing though. It's so, but I think then I was like, no, I'm conflating the type with the representation of the instinct. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think that social is actually my lowest. Yeah, same. Mostly because advertising about myself and like how to work with me makes me want to puke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's definitely not a social three, yeah. right? Um, but yeah, it's, it's right there. But I think one of the big things for me that like points me away from self press three is I literally like three years ago, I quit my job and did not have income streams lined up for nine types. And I just went for mm. it. And I don't think a lot of self press threes do that. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Made for a very interesting ride. That's, I'm sure. That's for sure. Yeah.
1: Especially during that time.
0: Yeah. 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 2019. And I was like, cool. Okay. Figuring this out. And then it was like 2020 and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's so interesting. Um, so I'm curious, what are you working on now? Yeah. Tell us everything. Where can people find you? Yeah. Um you know, if you want to talk about The Haven or anything else that you want to share with everyone. Yeah,
1: sure. So uh, right now I will be, depending on when this airs, but I'll be opening up the doors for The Haven, which is a intimate group coaching program for women who are going through breakups and, um, or divorces. And, uh, this is a way to work with me, um, in a, setting where you're also with other women so everyone's sort of like going through the same thing and um we go through three different phases of grief and then just like this illumination of like how did i get here what does this what does this relationship mean um what wisdom can i take from it how do i embody that wisdom going forward and then like that third phase is like okay well what's next for me And uh, identifying needs and core values and, you know, this like 2.0 version of yourself. Um, So that's starting in a couple of weeks. And then, uh, yeah, just on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram.
0: (laughs) And are you taking one-on-one clients as well? I
1: am. Yeah, I I am always taking one-on-one clients. Yeah. Okay, cool.
0: How long is the Haven Group Coaching? So it is
1: a nine-week program. Okay, yeah. Cool. Oh my gosh, that
0: sounds so cool and supportive. I know I'm not the right client for you, but I would be if I could. Just kidding. Brandon's going to like edit this podcast and be like, "What?" (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. But I love it. Great. Um, And actually, genuinely, whenever people reach out and like ask me for breakup support. I mean, honestly, like I have been off the market for over 12 years. Like (laughs) I am not the person to go to, uh, for that, but I always point people to you because I see just like, so how thoughtful you are in the way that you approach (sighs) those things. And I'm like, you will be in good hands. Go talk. to Thank you. I appreciate (laughs) that. (laughs) Um, okay. Final two questions. Mm -hmm. I ask everyone these. Um, so tell me about a book that has helped you refresh you or shaped you in the last year.
1: What was that second? That second one uh, helped you refresh you. Oh, refresh you. you. Yeah. Okay. Probably. I'm trying to. I'm like. I'm scanning the books that I've read. Like, oh, um, the hidden, the hidden life of trees. I think that's what it's called. Either the secret life or the hidden life. And oh. it's such a cool book, and it just talks about like the life of trees. <laughs> I know it kind of sounds. Like might be boring, Um, but it's so calming and it's so cool to hear about the ecosystem and how trees like not literally talk to each other, but how they communicate with each other and how it just kind of gets to the root of um, like how we need support, basically, and how we Mm -hmm. can't function without or thrive or survive without support community. So that was a pretty cool book. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Okay, we will link that in the show notes
0: so everyone can check it out. (laughs) Um, Cool. And then finally, what is a piece of advice that has really stuck with you?
1: Oh, we have so much, so much advice, so much advice. I would probably say, this is hard. I should have read through your Um. (laughs) (laughs) pre-questions. I think... um, Honestly, I think the best advice I've ever been given is like just do what you want. If it's not hurting anybody, just do what you want. And I know it's easier said than done, but when I come back to some of my best decisions, it's because I did what I wanted to do.
0: Yeah. I love yeah. it. I love that advice and yeah, if it's not hurting hurting mm-hmm. anyone, yeah, just do it. Yeah. That's really great advice. Um, especially for a 2. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> love it. And a 3. Um <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been really lovely. <laughs> and we will put all of your links and everything in the show notes so everyone can find you. Um, so it's Gina mm-hmm. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Cool. Um, so we'll link that um, and catch up with you on Instagram. Yeah. So thank you so much thank again. you. Thanks so much for listening to Enneagram IRL. If you love the show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and review. This is the easiest way to make sure new people find the show. And it's so helpful for a new podcast like this one. If you want to stay connected, sign up for my email list in the show notes or message me on Instagram at nine types to tell me your one big takeaway from today's show. I'd love to hear from you. I know there are a million podcasts you could have been listening to, and I feel so grateful that you chose to spend this time with me. Can't wait to meet you right back here for another episode of Enneagram IRL very soon. The Enneagram in Real Life podcast is a production of Nine Types Co. LLC. It's created and produced by Stephanie Baron-Hall, with editing support from Brandon Hall, and additional support from Critz Collaborations. Thanks to Dr. Dreamchip for our amazing theme song, and you can also check out all of their music on Spotify.